trust in him this morning? Amen. Let's just go to him in prayer. Father, what a great privilege we have before us as your children today to stand before your presence, Lord, the anointed of God. We invite you now, Father. We thank you, Lord, for the gathering together of like precious faith, Lord. We have a common theme, a common desire, a common common goal today, Father, as believers. Lord, and that's to put our humanity aside and allow the word of God to work through us, to hear from heaven. Lord, as your prophet would say, to hear from our theophanies. We invite you now, Father. We, we, Lord, just set aside whatever amount of time we have today. God, we just want to allow you the freedom to, to move in our midst, to deal with hearts and lives, Lord. However it would be, however you would flow through us today, God. May we not hinder the moving of the Spirit. God, may we just allow ourselves to be free, free to worship, not only in song, but Lord, as the Word is going forth, God, may we worship you as the Word, God, begins to flow through and come through the channel of the thought, Lord, through the, battle, the, the channel of the mind, into the depths of the Spirit, down into the soul, Father, as your prophet was saying, that's what has life in it, and that brings life into us, so God, now may your Spirit just grab hold of the Word today, Lord, and may our spirits grab hold of it today, Father, May it bring life into us, God. May we put our attention away from all the cares of this life and things that are going on outside of these walls today, Lord, and allow allow yourself just to move, Lord. Allow your spirit to move today, God. May we not hinder you today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to have you turn here to... 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to start at verse 35 and kind of skip around here, but I want to pick back up on what I spoke to you last time on, and I want to speak to you on restored for our change. Restored for our change. Last time we spoke on Satan can't stop our change. This time I want to speak on restored for our change. And we look here, it says in verse 35, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? You know, thank God we had a prophet because we would all ponder this thought. What body would they come in? He said, thou fool, that which sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it had pleased him and to every seed of his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There is also celestial bodies and bodies of ter- terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars from one star different from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in incorruption or it is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in the glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not the first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. 
The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. As it is earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as it is heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And we have borne the image of the earthy. How many can say amen to that? He says, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Praise the Lord, church. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. But I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. God bless you. You can have your seats this morning. This word change here, remember the last time we spoke, it actually means to exchange from one form to another form. It means to transform. And Brother Brandon will tell us in the message, the invisible union of the bride of Christ. He says, now, when you see the women just go on the rampage, he says, just doing anything that they want to do, watch the churches doing the same thing. So I bring this out because we realize the day in which we're living in, we're seeing that it's a woman's age, Correct. And we realize we're in Laodicea and the prophet of God will say us or will tell us Laodicea means woman in the Greek. This is a woman's world. It's a woman's church. It's a woman's age. We find out now that she's idolized. She's worshiped. She can pretty much do anything that she wants. Women have broken the glass ceiling. We find women now are in, in professional careers. They're, they're coaching professional sports or umpire professional games, games that were intended only for males. Now the females are in that. She's, she's able to do whatever she wants. And this is no bash against you sisters, but we find that it's, it's a woman's world today. And when you see the woman doing that, the prophet of God will tell us, but when you watch the spiritual bride, he said, when she begins to have a revival, when she begins to come back and line herself up with the word of God, he, he says, now watch then again. You see how the scriptures at that time, he said, there'll be a message sweep out and catch that bride. Come on, little bride. You look around and you can see it's a woman's age and she's elevated. She's been elevated to a place. And when she's elevated to that place, it's only a type that God is going to send a message. And let me say, God has already sent a message to catch the bride of Christ. He says to catch that woman, the elect. So this message that God sent was to catch you, to pull you out of denominational thinking, to pull you out of the things of the world. That's why God sent a message. See, this message was to catch that elect lady, to catch you and draw you out of the filth of the world, to let you know that you are that elect, to let you know that you are the bride of Christ. And he says, now, when the people begin to try to line with the word, he said, there comes a fresh message. So notice a fresh message, not a dead letter, not a message from previous ages, but a fresh message, a message that has life in it. See, a message, this message wasn't just sent to tell you who you were. It wasn't just sent to tell you that you're bride. But this message was sent to prepare you a way out. This message was sent to provide you a way of escape. Before Israel could leave Egypt, they had to have a message. And before we can take our exodus, God has to send us a, a, a message. And I believe he's done that. So this message was sent to change your life. How many can say amen to that? 
It was sent to change your life, change your nature, change your desires, and finally change your body. See, it was sent to restore us back to the thoughts that God had of us when it was in the back part of his mind. That's what this message was sent for. It wasn't sent here just so you can sit on a pew and say, I believe God sent a prophet. But it was sent to do more for you than that. This message was sent to to restore us back to what God had intended us to be in the beginning. And notice Satan fights it. He fights this little group of people. He doesn't want you to be restored back to that original word. He doesn't want you to be restored back to that original life. He's doing everything he can to hinder the moving of the spirit. And he comes even in even like tabernacle and he'll set a critical spirit in the midst and cause the church to not prosper, cause the, 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 the word to not go forth. Because why? Because he has got a desire to keep a people beat down. He's got a desire to keep a people living below their privileges. He's got a desire to keep the people from realizing that you're being restored back to the original word back to a body change we're not meant to be here church we're not earthbound chickens but we're eagles oh notice now he's fighting that because he knows when this change takes place his destruction is coming you say brother Joe I need scripture on that 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 7 says for the mystery of iniquity doeth already work only he who now let us will let until he be taken out of the way. Who is he? The Holy Ghost. Where's the Holy Ghost? In you this morning. Then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So we find when we're taken out of the way, total destruction is coming. His destruction is coming. And so he's fighting every day. He's fighting you. He's he's combating you. He may come with your children or come with your marriage or come with your finances or come with some form, passion or some way. But Satan is fighting you. He doesn't want you to reach that place of restoration. But there's been a word already pronounced over a people. There's been a word already has gone forth over a people that I will restore, saith the Lord. There ain't enough devils in hell. There ain't enough trials and tribulations that you're going to go through in life. That word has already been spoken over you, brother. It's already been spoken over you, sister. And let me just tell you, you might as well get ready for the change is coming. The change is coming. Now, some of us don't like change. Y'all, y'all realize that I'm one of those somebodies that don't like change. But this change I'm embracing. This change I'm looking for. Every morning I get up between 6 and 9, I'm waiting for a change. Could this be the day that I'm stepping to a new body? Can this be the day when all the wrinkles vanish? Could this be the day that my hair returns back? And all the gray leaves, can this be the day that I'm living in a new body, dwelling in a new place? Brother Tim, if you'll take some of the highs out up here, that'd be great. We look here in John 14 and verse 1, and this scripture has been on my thought all week when I was out of town just sitting there many hours on the deer stand, and I was just thinking, in my father's house, what a place. In my father's house. Notice he says now, John 14 and verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be agitated. Don't be distressed and and anxious about what's going on around us. We have a message, a fresh message. Let me just tell you, it works. This message works. What about it, Brother Mike? Doesn't it work? What about it, Brother Lingo? Doesn't it work? This message works. It changes lives. Sister Lana, does it work? It heals cancer. It delivers. Does it work? I'll tell you. 
you this morning, this message works. And what God has done in the temporal, he's going to do in the supernatural. If he can heal from cancer, what about when we tap into a new body? When we're completely restored. Notice now, let not your heart be anxious and troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Man, I got a mansion, Brother Derek. You know, I want to be tall, dark, and handsome. I can't be Andrew Glover. It's just not in the works. So I just got to be who I am, short, stumpy, and cute. But you know, it works. I'm married 20-plus years. We're happy. It's all right. But I got a mansion over there about this tall. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, I can't wait to step into that new mansion. I go around and look in it. You know what? The old back problems are gone. The, the knee problems are gone. The wrinkles are gone. The hair is back. It's a new mansion. It's a new body. And I'm going to it. And what about you, brother? What about you? That's where we're headed. A mansion on the hillside. A mansion in glory. Let me tell you, ain't no devils can keep you from that mansion. Can't no trials keep you from that mansion. That's where we're headed. In my father's house. Woo! In my father's domain, there's a mansion waiting on me. I got a body waiting on me. Oh, hallelujah. I got a place waiting on me. Oh, my. And he says, if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself. Otherwise, I will join you to myself. Oh, my. Oh, my. Church, don't get so distressed with the things of life. Look what the word is telling us. I've gone to prepare a place for you. And that where I am, you're going to be there also. I mean, not just you, but they and their offspring. Come on, don't leave the offspring out. We're not leaving the hoof behind. We're uh, children of Israel. He said, go get them all in. We're not leaving a hoof behind. And you might as well go tell the Israelites, we won't go. We won't silver. We're not going out weak. We're not going out empty-handed. But we're going out in abundance. We're going out in victory. We're going out on top. What are we going through? To a new body. Oh, we're going to pack out substance of a change. Notice we received the message. And it's a life-changing message. And then I'll come again and I'll receive you. I'll join you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Now, Brother Brown tells us in the message, Fellowship by Redemption. He goes, I never believed that heaven was a place where there's a bunch of buildings. How many of you believed that back in the day? Oh, come on. Just be honest. Don't be so message theologies that you all, y'all never thought that. In my father's house, I'm going to have me a mansion. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be the biggest mansion on the block. No. But he says, I never thought or believed that heaven was a place where there's a bunch of buildings, where there's a bunch of houses up there made with mortar and dopped with paper and paint on the wall. He goes, I never believed that, that a supernatural being would live in a literal house. But I believe when Jesus spoke in John 14, in my father's house is many mansions. He meant a body, a dwelling place. Oh, I just love that. For the scriptures verify the same thing. If this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting. 
Come on, this is time for some of you older people to say amen. Yes, amen. yes it's okay. Amen. It's all right. Amen. If time should tarry, you got a new body waiting on you. Amen. You know, the older I get, the more this becomes a reality. We're not meant to live forever in these bodies. But I know if this earthly tabernacle beat us off, I got a new body waiting on me. It don't matter how old this body gets, how beat down this body gets, how decrepit and how it deteriorates. I got a new body waiting. What a promise. Oh, one, one breath outside of this life. When I take my last breath, I'm into a new body, a well body, a body that'll never get sick, a body that'll never deteriorate, a body that'll never perish, a body that'll never grow old, a body that'll never weaken under pressure. I'm stepping into a new body, a theophany body, the body that God intended for us to live in, and that's where you're headed, church. And God is in the process of restoring a, a bride back to that body. Woo! He says, now, mortal beings is the only one who lives in mortal habitations. Immortal beings live in, in, in immortal habitations. Then the place that we go into until we return back is not a place of brick and mortar and clay and precious stones or jewels. It's a place of condition. That we move out of this dimension that we live in into another dimension. It's a house, a tabernacle, a dwelling place. See, he has gone to prepare a place for every believer. How many of you are believers this morning? It should be 100% hands up or 200 because hopefully most of you got two hands. All right. He has gone to prepare a place for every believer. That the very moment we step out of these mortal regions, we don't go out into some myth or some supernatural spirit, but we go into a tabernacle. A dwelling place. And that might be right here. He said, and that might be right here in this building this morning. A place that no other radioactivity or nothing could touch that is solely fixed by God alone. He said, Moses had been dead for 800 years. Elijah had been dead for around six or 700 years. And they stood on Mount Transfiguration, both of them, in their mortal looks. Talking to Jesus just before he went to Calvary. So they were in their theophany, immortal bodies. He says, now he goes, I got a revelation the other day standing up there on Mount Polymer at the observatory and seeing time and space over to Mars and to the last continents and so forth, light traveling at so many thousand miles per second. He said, now if an angel started from the furthest star coming here, it would take billions times billions times billions of years to get here. If he started from Mars and he come here flying at the speed of light, space or light speed, it would take him billions of years to get here. He goes, now I cannot believe that there is a house way out yonder, but I believe that that house that God was speaking of is present right here now. Oh my. Oh my. There's a dimension, church, that we can't see right now. And the prophet would tell us when, when that dimension slows down and this one speeds up, what's going to happen? There's going to be a transition, a transition take place. Oh, when that, that dimension slows down, he's always just above your head right now. It's just a few feet above you. That's how close we are to the body change. That's how close we are to a well body. That's how close we are from living in the Father's house. He 
goes, you go millions and millions of miles beyond that dimension, you'll get into a place that's just as real as tele television pictures here in the room this morning. There's the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of God, standing here. And the reason that you can't see him is because your heart hasn't become tuned down to it. And the reason we can't see the television pictures, we're in our bodies, we're not instruments to pick up the mechanical sent things. But when our body becomes in tune with God, becoming a part of him, then our soul can pick up the power of the Holy Spirit to vindicate the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of his power and omnipotence. He has risen from the dead. He lives among us today. He wants fellowship back with his people again. His great majesty, his glory is now spreading forth. He is desiring fellowship again with his people like he did in the Garden of Eden. And so that's why he sent a message was to he to restore fellowship so that we once again can be on speaking terms with our Savior. Because we understand due to the fall, it separated humanity from their God. And now we find, he goes, now, I know that there's a land beyond the river. There's a region yonder somewhere that the glorious persons of the great angels of God and his beings are fellowshipping together. Oh, we're headed back to that. We're headed back to that. I don't know what you think about, about heaven. I don't know what you think about these things. But I'll tell you what. We had a prophet come and tell us. We had a prophet come and tell us. Oh, let me just tell you right here. He says, now I go to prepare a place to receive them. It shows that he was speaking to them. And see, there's a life after this life is ended. There's a life after this life is ended. And what a consolation that ought to give all of us to know that after this life is over, there is a life. There is a life. Brother Ross, cancer is trying to destroy your body. There's a life after this one. One of these mornings between six and nine, one of these mornings, you're going to see that life stepping through the door. You're going to wake up. Maybe you're sitting there at the stove cooking eggs. Biscuits and gravy. We don't do that at my house. We have burritos and, and as y'all heard the other day, I sent Brother Tim a picture this morning. We were having an Arizona breakfast, tortillas and eggs, and it was just wonderful hot sauce. I'm telling you what. But one of these mornings, you're going to see that loved one that had been going on for 10, 15, 20 years come stepping through the door in a new body. And when they come stepping in, oh, my, a change will be on. What's happening while we're being restored back through the message? God has placed us. He's given us something to look forward to in the morning. We don't wake up every day empty-handed. We wake up with an expectation. Oh, my. Is this going to be the day that Sister Karen Pruitt walks through the door? Is this going to be the day that Gerald Shaw walks through the door? Not in that old body. Not in that body that was grasping for breath and fighting to live. But in a new body. An 18-year-old body. A body that will never weaken. A body that will never take Oh, fight for breath. A body that will never have a brain bleed again. But a new body. A well body. A theophany body. A healed body. A delivered body. A saved body. A glorious body. Talking about a body, talking about a change, and what's happening to the church. She is being restored back by the message to that body. Oh, my. He says now, and as you get older, he says, now that becomes more of a reality to you. So I'm not picking on you old people, but as you get older, 
Why, that new body looks good. When you're 15, 17, 18, you don't know what we're talking about. You in your new body. What y'all old people talking about, this is great. But when you start climbing that ladder and getting north of 50, 60, 70, and then the devil jumps on you with all his feet and power and and everything that he has to to do, and he strikes your body with cancer. And that 70-year-old body don't handle cancer that great. And then you, you used to be all tall, strapping, and now you're bent over. Now you're hobbling. Now you're walking on support systems and things of that nature. Now your cabinets are full of medicine. That new body looks good. That new body is all that you wake up under expectation for. Is this my day? You know, it's like when you was a kid, you waited for Christmas. I know many of y'all didn't do Christmas way back when. But let me just tell you how I did it. We did, man, on Christmas Eve, we couldn't hardly go to sleep on 24th of December. Man, we wanted to see Santa even though he was alive. We didn't know that at the time. I didn't realize that until I came to this church and realized, man, he was a phony. My <laughs> God, I've been lied to all my life. Who ate them cookies we left for him? <laughs> I told my kids, I ain't giving that man no credit for all the money I spent on y'all's gifts. Ain't happening. It ain't happening. But anyway, you know, get back to my story here. We waited with expectation. We couldn't wait to wake up on the 25th. And then if you, if you was the only one awake, you know what you did? You didn't sit there by yourself. No, you went and knocked on your brother's door. Get up! It's Christmas morning! Go knock on your sister. Get up! It's Christmas morning. You're telling everybody what the day is. Let me just tell you, I'm telling you what the day is. It's restoration. Hallelujah. It's restoration day. It's restoration day. In a moment, this is the day. This is the hour of our change, church. I'm looking forward with excitement. I'm not going to open up a new package, but I'm turning into a new body. I'm going to be walking in the healing. I'm going to be dancing on the other side. I'm going to be treading on streets to go. It don't matter. You may think, I don't. oh, hallelujah, I'm here to worship my God. I'm not looking at tinsel. I'm not looking at gifts. I'm looking at the giver face to face in a new body, in a new land. Oh, my. We got something to look forward to. He goes, as you begin to see the days of your life drawing close, then it begins to, you begin to pack up closer, getting ready for that great event. He said, it's now, it's continuing of this same life. Notice, it's continuing of this same life in another life. Not a big mansion over there. Your house is bigger than my house. Your place is better than my place. No, it's not that. But it's another, he says now, it's continuing of this same life in another world, another place. What we are here is what we're going to be there. Only in an immortal body. Well, Orlando... All that gray won't be there. No. Sister Gina, those spring that you used to have when you used to play basketball when you was 18, it's going to be returned, restored back. What a God. What a God. And it took a prophet. It took a prophet 
to prepare this body for restoration. Because if you go to denominations, they're not, they don't believe this. There's going to be trains, planes, and automobiles crashing and people going. I mean, they got it all messed up. But we have a vindicated message. That's doing what restoring us back for our change. He says, now, things that are to be. I want you to catch this. Things that are to be. He says, the bride in the rapture will come forth. That's things that are to be. He says, and there is all, and there is all pre-planned by God, all backed up from the beginning. He knowed every man, every place who was set all about it. It's all pre-planned. God knew it would be. He made it that way. And so when we get there, he's going to prepare a place for us. When we get there, it'll all be prepared just even like this night. He said, this night is prepared like this hour is prepared. Yes, his great foreknowledge tells him all these things by foreknowledge. Things that are to be, I'll go prepare a place for you. Take you out of this pest house and deliver you into my father's house. Oh my, aren't you waiting for that? Some of you just get up in the mornings and you think about, man, look at this old pest house. You look in the mirror, you think, my, 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 this old rundown house. I've been on a hunting trip for the last five days. I'm going to tell you, it'll wear you out. It's like all I did was sit. But I sat so long, I got tired of sitting. I'll walk up them hills and then my, you know, you just, this body can't handle it. This body wasn't meant to handle it. Oh, but when we get in that new body, man, we're going to get to the tallest hill on the other side. We're going to look, look out and we're going to see all of eternity. He said, we made it. We made it because God restored us back. God had thoughts of us before the foundation of the world. And what you are now, you're only coming into that thought. You're only being restored back to that thought of what God had of you. You are not what you are now, what you're going to be there. You're going to be in a new body, a new dwelling place with eternal thoughts, with eternal values, with eternal promises, and an eternal God ruling and reigning with an eternal Savior. That's where we're headed, church. He says, I'll go to prepare a place for you and take you out of this pest house and deliver you into my father's house. See, there you are. Take you out of this old earthly pest house. He's going to prepare a place, a perfect place where no evil exists, no sickness exists, no old age exists, and no death exists. Things that are to be. And the old people in the church says, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, old people. It's okay. If you're north of 50, Brother Tim, that means you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's okay. Hallelujah. That's where we're headed. There'll be no pain. There'll be no sickness. There'll be none of these things. No. He says, we're going to a new body. He said, it's a perfect place calling you to that perfection. You have to be perfect to get there. The Bible said, Jesus said, be you therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's a perfect kingdom. So it must be a perfect people come. Because you have to stand to be married to a perfect son of God. And you must be a perfect bride. And you can't be perfect in your own ability. As much as you try, as hard as you try. Oh, church, you can't do it on your own effort. 
Some of you that have been struggling with pornography, you can't do it on your own efforts. No, you can lay it down for so long, but if you hadn't been changed, if your thought hadn't been changed, and your nature hadn't been changed, and your desires hadn't been changed, you're going to fall back to it. But we have got a word that's going to restore us back. So you don't think those old thoughts, you don't have those old actions and those old desires, but you begin to be renewed in your mind. Your mind begins to be restored. Your heart begins to be restored. And the last thing that takes place is this body becomes in a full restoration and we step into a new body and there, there'll be no dirty thoughts. There'll be no uh, evil thinking or anything like that. We'll be thinking God's way and God's thoughts and we believe in God's promised word for that hour. But he says now, notice, so how we're supposed to be perfect. And Brother Derek, you can't do it on your own. It takes a perfect God with the perfect message to come and make his people perfect. And that's why we got to surrender our rights. We're lambs. Surrender your rights to do his will. He goes, now, look, it's a perfect kingdom, so it must be a perfect people. Because you have to stand and be married to a perfect son of God. And you must be a perfect bride. Things that are to be. So how can you do it through anything else but the perfect word of God, which is the waters of separation that washes us from our sins? He says, that's right, the blood of Jesus Christ. Think of it. Dripping, bloody word, amen, the blood, the word of God, bleeding blood to wash the bride in. She stands perfect, virgin, unadulterated. She never sinned in the first place. Amen. She was trapped into it. Now, sometimes we can take this thought, especially as a young person, and think, well, I'm justified. But your desires hadn't changed yet. Just because you think, well, I sit in even like tabernacle, I go to a message church, and I believe God sent a prophet, then I'm justified. It takes more than that. Justification means the things that you did, you don't do them anymore. You're declared justified. You never done it in the first place. The old desires that you had to do it are no longer there. You've got a new thinking, a new mind, a, a whole new nature, and a new desires. And he says, now, she stands perfect, virgin, unadulterated. She never sinned in the first place. So what brought us back? Denomination didn't bring you to that place. The Baptist church didn't bring you to that thinking. The Methodist church didn't bring us to that thinking. But the message of the hour brought you back to that thinking. So you realize that God's thought that he had of you in the beginning. Now you stand justified. Now you stand uh, Now you stand predestinated of God to be back in the thoughts of God. And these are things that are to be. At the end of his road, one of the last sermons that he preaches, and he's telling us these are things that are coming. There's going to be a bride, and there's going to be a rapture, and all these things have to take place. There has to be restored on this side that we can take that body change. These are things that are to be, not may be, not should be, but these are things that will be. There's a change coming for this body. He said, notice, in fellowship by redemption, sin separated Adam and Eve. They went off in sin, and, and God had only one preparation for a sinful man to reach a holy God. And that wasn't by self-righteousness. It wasn't by patching up an old thing. It was by the death and the resurrection, the only way God condemned the man in the Garden of Eden because he had sinned, and his whole body was full of mire. And he says, and never can you ever turn a new page. Young people, you can't turn a new page. Turning new pages ain't going to get the job done. 
You know, I tried turning new pages in my early Christian years. It doesn't work. Some of you, you try turning new pages. You made decrees. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And sure enough, because you hadn't been changed, you did it. You fell to it. That's why we got to have a change. And that change is only the first step of restoration. God restoring you back. And he starts in your mind to be renewed in your mind. Notice what he says. He goes, I don't care how much you join church, how many good things you do, them is all fine. You buy the widow cold when she's cold. You buy her food when she's hungry. You take the little kids off the street. That's good. Nothing to say. Light of that. He goes, but my brother, sister, you're a miserable being until that old foundation is swept out. The old foundation is swept out and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus in order for that soul can be in contact with God for fellowship, you see. He goes, then when you get into that wonderful, glorious fellowship of his being, all the little things just pass away and it seems all petty, so childlike. That's why we have trouble. That's why we have professed Christians living just today they're all right, tomorrow they're wrong, the next day they're this. He says it's because they never tore the old foundation down. Church, it's time to tear the old foundation down. It's time to sweep out the house and sweep out the foundation. He says, when he, had, when he had sinned, God felt sorry for the poor fellow. See him and Eve going away without it, going out there in fellowship, or going out of the fellowship. They would have to shift for themselves. What could they do? They had a loving father who would take care of them, but now through disobedience, cut off their fellowship. No more fellowship. They had to make a way for themselves. They had to till the soil, earn the living by sweat of their brow. They had to get sick and die and all kinds of troubles and heartaches and disappointments. Why? They severed the fellowship, no more fellowship with God. It couldn't be. But God gave us a message. I will restore. Malachi 4, I'm going to restore you back to the faith of the fathers. And when we restore back to that faith, we're restored back to the fellowship. He says, now... That's where man stands today. That's the reason you see them on the street working on Sunday. That's why the reason you see them out going fishing and hunting on Sunday. That's the reason you see them out there horse racing and automobile racing. Why you see them in the pool rooms and dives and so forth. There is something in a man hungering for something that he can't find it. See, in this world can't produce it and the church can't produce it on mental theology. They can't do it. But a real child of God is hungering and thirsting. Why? If there's something in your heart telling you that, that you want it and it needs and it's needs there, and he goes, he just shows there's something pulsating, trying to pull you there. There's a body there that this one is a type of here. He goes, what are you using this one for to glorify the devil and the world and the fashions and things? Are you looking towards heaven? There's something up there. You're glorifying God with your life. So notice why are you here this morning? Because there's something inside of you hungering. There's something inside of you thirsting. There's something pulling you into a new body. That's why you're here. The pastor's away, but you're here today. Why was it that, oh, you were coming to hear Brother Joe? No, you, Brother Joe has nothing to do with it. But there's something inside of you. There's a desire inside of you that's pulling you to a new body. And then I'm here to tell you, these are things that are to be. But there's going to be a people. She's going to be, that pull is going to be so strong. One day, we're going to be pulled right on into it. You're going to step out of this old mortal flesh. And you're going to step into a whole new body. A well body, a delivered body. A body that don't think ugly thoughts, but a body that thinks God. Thoughts. 
then we're going to start traveling like a thought. And that sounds really good right now. Notice, but a real child of God, he's hungering and thirsting. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. It's not us four no more, but there's many mansions, Brother EJ. One ball-headed, about that tall, kind of a mansion over there. What was God done in the last three years in Brother EJ's life? Restored him. Brought him through a very difficult time where he thought his life was going to fall apart. But God was process of restoration. Because God has included Brother EJ in the change. And we see so many who has been added to the, to the body here, the local body. Because what? God is bringing a restoration. See, he says now, in my father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And I come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Things that are to be, these things that are now are only potential, calling for the things that are to be. Oh my, a real child of God, hungering for a change. A real child of God, with each passing day, this mortal body deteriorates, but they're longing this old earthly tabernacle that we have is groaning for something different. It's groaning. The Bible would tell us in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1, for we know that if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. Notice, a house, a dwelling place, not made with hands eternal in the heavens, for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house. It's your house. Oh my, be clothed with your house. That one that God thought of when God thought about having a family, Brother Derek, he thought of you. He thought he was going to be so tall, so big, so this, so that, nature this way and that way. When God thought of it, God thought of you. And, and yet our bodies are groaning to be clothed with this house, to be clothed with this dwelling place. See, we've grown, church, and that's why we're here at church this morning. We're groaning to get back into that body. We're groaning to live in the eternal realms. We're groaning to take on a theopony body. We want to be clothed, not with somebody else's body, not with somebody else's thoughts, not with somebody else's ideas, but clothed with their own theophany body so we can live as God wanted us to live from the beginning. Amen. He says, so now, in verse 3, if so be that we're being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, we do groan, being burdened, not for that which we could not be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. See, man has to get, man's got to tear down the old foundation. Man's got to be regenerated and born again and come back to God. And it's a process. And it's called restoration. And we're in that process and we're being restored. Not turning new pages, you'll never do it. It might be good. He goes, I have nothing against that. Good works that you do, but that won't do it. Joining church won't do it. Taking your children to church won't do it until it becomes an individual affair. It's got to be individual. Whether my wife makes it, whether she doesn't make it, it doesn't hinder me. I have to, to have that determination of my own. We, it has to be an individual affair until you become back into fellowship. Then we know we pass from death unto life. For our spirit bears record with his spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. And in the message of the invisible union, the prophet of God will tell us, and any son is an attribute of his father. Now you look at my son. Good looking, isn't he? 
chip off the whole block. Well, he's a big chip off a little bitty block over here. Tall, he's strapping, strong, good looking. I'm putting a plug in for you, son. But we find, you see, any son is an attribute of his father. See, there's things that we might we may not look identical. There's attributes in him that are in me. There's attributes in my children that are in me, and some of them are stronger than others or more prevalent than others. But the prophet of God will say, any son is the attribute of his father, just as you were in the genes of your father, in the body of your father. When he was a young boy, you were in him, yet you could not have fellowship with him because you didn't know him. But through the bedding grounds of your mother, you were brought forth into the earth and become in the image of your father. Then he could have fellowship with you. And he says, and we were, and, and so were you sons of God and daughters of God. Before there ever was a moon, stars, or molecule, you were sons and daughters of God, for you were only the physical manifestation of the attributes that was in God in the beginning. He says, there's only one form of eternal life, and that was you. Wow. There's only one form of eternal life, and that was you before. Notice, before. You don't know nothing about it, neither did you know when you was in your earthly father, but you are manifested to in his image, in the image of God are you made, and you were manifested for the glory and the fellowship of God. Therefore, as sure as the gene had to be in your father before your natural birth, your spiritual gene had to be in God because you are an expression of the attributes of his thoughts before the foundation of the world. And notice, we come in corruptible bodies. But the Bible says we were made in the image of God. And if God is sinless and God is perfect and God is immortal, that ensures us that we're going back to that. See, God is not corruptible. He's not sinful. And therefore, we must be restored back to that kind of life. But that's why Satan is fighting us so hard. Satan doesn't want you to leave his Eden. Look what he's offered you. You can have anything you want in Laodicea. You can come to church. You can stay home and stream and say you had church. You can, whatever you want to do, you can come in and sit on the pew in the great preaching and never move a word, never be a participant, always just sitting there, be a spectator, but never be a participator. And I know some of that could offend some of you because you're participating or you're, you're spectators. But God is desiring more out of us than just spectating. God is wanting to restore us back to the thoughts that he had in the beginning. And that restoration, Job, where was you? Joe, where was you when the sons of God shouted for joy? They weren't sitting there with their head down. No, but when the word was coming forth, they were shouting and rejoicing over the word of God, over realizing we've been restored back. We come down through the fall. We receive the vindicated word, and that word changed our thoughts. It changed our desires, and now it's changing our bodies. We're being restored back to that. And one of these, let me tell you, that should excite you this morning, that that's what God has called you to. He didn't call you to live in Laodicea. He didn't call you to remain down here in the chicken yard, but God has called you to fly, to lift those heavenly wings and soar into the supernatural elements. That's something to shout about. Why well, don't shout? Stub your toe. Give me a hammer and let me put your hand, your thumb on, and we'll see if you shout or not. I'm not trying to be ugly and be mean and be critical, but come on, God is restoring us. This is something to be happy about. It shall exhilarate you. 
Well, you say, Brother Joe, that's your message. That's how God gave it to you. No, that's your message. That's what God has given to you. I'm only an instrument. God put the thought in my heart to deliver to you this morning to tell you you're being restored back for a change. That change takes place here. Your thinking has to change. Your worship has to change. Your worship has to change. Not just during the song service that you stand and sing and, and open up your mouth, but during the preaching of the word. I like how Brother Branham said it. That man criticized him because it got so loud. He goes, if I didn't know they, if they didn't do that, I wouldn't know they were getting anything out of it. But what about our worship? Doesn't he deserve? Doesn't he deserve? Look what he's doing, Brother Al. My, Mississippi, the armpit of America. And he brought you here because you're part of the restoration, Sister Felicia. He brought your family here because you're part of the restoration. Home, what is God doing? Why did he bring you from Arizona? Why did he bring you from Washington? God is doing a job. He is restoring up people. He's restoring families. Oh, come on, somebody. God is in the process of restoring. And what he's doing here is only a tip of the iceberg of what's going to happen on the other side. That's going to be family's going to be restored. Prodigal's going to be restored. Homes are going to be restored. Finances are going to be restored. There's going to be a restoration take place. And one morning, we're going to be gone, church. I'm talking to you. That should excite you this morning. That's something to rejoice about this morning. Well, I don't shout, Brother Joe. Well, you need to start shouting. Let it be a sacrifice of praise. I know you like to sit down. I know you don't want to work. But I'm here to tell you this morning, if you'll put something in it, you'll get something out of it. You'll put, let's work, let's create an atmosphere. And the Holy Ghost can come down and change us. And change us. And change us. Let him change you this morning. Let him change on the other side. It's okay to worship. It's okay to rejoice. It's okay to clap your hands. It's okay to shout. It's okay. Where were you, Joe? Where were you even like Tabernacle? When I saw you shouting. When I saw you rejoicing. When I saw you worshiping me. Oh, there we are. Restoration. The restoration of the bride. She's being restored back. And Satan's fighting. And Satan's fighting. But he can't stop it. He can't stop it. He's fighting, but he can't stop it. He can't stop your change. We're going back to the original thought. Oh, look. He can't stop it. Listen to what the prophet of God says. See, Satan doesn't want you to live a life of victory in these bodies. He doesn't want you to live victorious in this body. But let me just tell you where we're headed back to. This is in the church age. He says, that's the way the church is. Let me just skip down. But if the vine ever, the vine. Come on, vine. I'm talking to vine this morning. Not some denominational vine. Not some Baptist vine. Not some grafted in Pentecostal vine. I'm talking about the born again vine of Jesus Christ. He said, but if that vine ever brings forth another branch, they're going to dance. Oh, yeah. They're going to shout glory. Hallelujah. They're going to worship, praise my God. In the way that they call heresy is the way that I serve my God. You 
me and call me a fool, but I'm a fool for Jesus because I know what he's done for me. Whoa, buddy, if, they ever, if that vine ever brings forth another branch of itself, that branch will be exactly... I said that vine will be exactly like the first vine. What the first church was in Paul's day, this church is going to be there. She's going to be the same. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, power of his power. She is him. Restored back to her virtue. Restored back to Pentecost. It will be the same kind of branch that was brought forth at Pentecost. Well, what they do at Pentecost sat there? No, I'm sorry, y'all got the wrong image of Pentecost. Now at Pentecost, there were signs, there was wonders. Pentecost, some of you know. Oh my, some of y'all you knew how it was to get drunk. I mean, yeah, hell, you stumbled out, didn't you, out of that ballroom? You stumbled out, walking all silly, acting all silly, didn't have a care in the world. Come on. Let me have the biggest man. I'm ready to fight. Let me tell you, that's what he's restoring us back to, to Pentecost. You don't care what somebody thinks about you. You're here to worship. You're here to serve God. You don't care what devil you face. It don't matter how big he is. My God's bigger. I'll take you home because I know who I am. I've got from the spirit and I've been received a change. I've received a word from my God about the object to me. Oh, yes, sir. I've heard from heaven and I know the change is on and in a moment, in the tweaking of an eye, oh, glory to God, we're going to be dancing on streets of gold. We're going to be speaking in other tongues. It's going to be a hallelujah. It's going to be a glorious day, church. If that vine ever puts forth another branch, you can't sit down, branch. No, that branch had life in it. That vine's got life in it. And it's putting forth fruit, fruits of the spirit. It's speaking in tongues. It's healing the sick. It's delivering. It's got life today. I'm talking to you about a restored church. Oh my. Oh my. It will speak in tongues. I know you need a prophet to tell you that. Those on the stream, there you have it. It will speak in tongues, prophesy, and have the power of signs of the resurrected Jesus Christ in it. Why? Because it's thriving. What are you here for? Because you're thriving. Not on Tim Pruitt, not on Timothy Pruitt, not on Aaron Oglesby or Joe Adams. You're thriving. Notice, you're thriving on the natural resource of the vine itself. You're thriving on the life of the vine. If all you are is Baptist, that's all you're ever going to be. Oh, my. Because your Baptist theology is only grafted in to the life that's being stirred right here. That's why you don't stand. That's why you don't shout. That's why you don't rejoice. But you can never get born into that vine and not grafted in. Oh, you'll shout. You'll sing praises. You'll worship a living God. He says, you see, it wasn't grafted into the vine. It was born in the vine. When those other branches were grafted in, all they could do was bear their own fruit for what they were born of that vine. They don't know nothing about the original life of the original fruit. 
See, they cannot know it for they were not born of it. But if they had been born of it, that same life that was in the original stem, Jesus, would come through them and manifest through them. John 14, 12, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me and the works that I do, shall he do also. See, notice the masterpiece. Now at the harvest time, the seed is back to the original life. Back to the Bible. Malachi 4 said it would be brought that way. Oh, my church. Let me go look. Can I go a little bit further? See, Satan doesn't want you to be restored for your change. He likes that critical spirit some of you come in with. Boy, we ain't got all like that way. My goodness, could you see us acting that way? What would they think on live stream? What would they think on YouTube if they saw us all acting like Brother Joe right now? Well, they would think one thing, we're free. But if you ever been where I've been, if you ever was headed where I was headed, I know that song, we, we may sing it up, but you don't know like I know what he's done for me. I know where I was headed. I know, where God, I know what God had done for me. I know the voice that came down and spoke to me in my car. I know it was God. It wasn't a man. I didn't have no man to hold my hand, lead me to Christ. No, I knew it was God that came down and done it. I know what he'd done for me. That's why I worship. That's why I have no hope. It doesn't bother me. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I'm not here to worship you. I'm here to worship God. I'm here to worship my Lord. I'm here to worship him. I'll sing with everything I got. I'll worship with everything I got. I'll pray with everything I got. It don't matter because you don't know. Oh, I said you don't know like I know what it done for me. Oh, that day he set me free. I was headed to see it in the devil's hell, but I got set free, church. Every day, I was in prison. Oh, glory to God. I was in prison one day, but now I'm free. I said I was held in tank, but now I'm free. You don't know like I know what it done for me. He broke my tank. He set me free. I'm here to tell you do. It's only, it's only restoration. It's restoration. Restoration power is in the church this morning. And Satan can't stop it. I say he can't stop it. He can't stop your change. He can't stop it. He can't stop the restoration. He can't stop the rapture. He can't stop what he didn't start. He didn't call you. Satan didn't call you to this. God called you for it. And if God called you, God's going to finish. God's going to finish. God started his church the way he wanted it, and now he's going to have his church the way he started it. Notice, Satan can't stop in Matthew 16. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my father. But my Father which is in heaven, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this revelation, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell can't stop it. 
Satan can't stop it. Cancer can't stop it. Politics can't stop it. War can't stop it. Sickness can't stop it. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have a church. And she's going to be without spot. And she's going to be without blemish. She's going to be without sin. Why? Because Satan can't stop what God started. He says, let me tell you something, brother. Listen to this. And I say this respect. Hallelujah. All hell can't stop it. All hell can't stop it. Stop what? The restoration. The restoration of what? The bride tree. See, God has built his church. He started his church. And now he's going to have his church the way he planted it in Ephesians. You may not like the way the church is today, but if you can only go back to Ephesus and see how Paul's church was. Oh, Brother Orlando, they had freedom in Paul's church. Paul preached one night, all night. Somebody fell dead. They didn't give up. They went down and laid hands on them, brought them back, and they finished service. What are you saying, Brother Joe? You going to preach long? I don't know. But I'm here to tell you, the bride that was in the beginning it's going to be the same bride today. We've already been seen in a vision. Think about a pro- God let a prophet see the bride in preview. Oh, when she came in preview, she was a glorious church. A wonderful church had worship. My, she was, she was just a beautiful, a beautiful article of worship of what God's creation. And then you see what man's church brought down. The church of this in Asia and this one and that one. And then you see the American church. So we saw what the church was in Paul's day. Then we see what happened in Laodicea. And we see the church that man created coming to the tune of rock and roll. But the spirit of God was saying, no, the bride's going to come in preview one more time. One more time. And he said, what she was in this one is exactly what she was in that one. What was it? A restored church. Same power. Same word. Same everything. Church, that's where we're headed. Same message. But see, the prophet of God said that church, that bride had to be planted, had to go into the ground so it could come up through the ages and produce what we have today. Just like Christ had to go into the ground. See, hell can't stop it. Cancer can't stop it. None of these things can stop it. He goes, we got to have a message sweep back and bring the people out of all these denominational conditions back to the original genuine Pentecostal faith. He's going to bring forth a little bride. This is in the masterpiece. So that's right. That's smitten right back to the side of the original word. And there he is. There is the masterpiece. The family back together again in the Garden of Eden. The family restores. The age is separated. Oh, but he's going to restore that church right back. Oh, my, notice what he says. Now, God is going to have a virtuous church, just exactly a bride. In Ephesians 5 and 27, he's going to present to himself a glorious church, not having spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, but that should be holy without blemish. And we find that word present means to stand by to bring near. He's going to bring a bride near him. And not only is she going to be brought near him, she's going to worship with him. She's going to rule with him. She's going to reign with him. Because why? She is bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. She is him. You're talking about a change of atmosphere. Why? 
Are we having convention-style services on Wednesday nights and on Sundays with our normal people? Do you feel restoration in the air? Do you feel change in the air? Do you feel the atmosphere changing? Some of you, oh my, let that atmosphere get a hold of you. Let it get a hold of you. You may be a little bit starched. That's okay. Loosen yourself up a little bit. Let the atmosphere get a hold of you. I know you got a human nature. You don't like some of this, but that's okay. You let the atmosphere just get a hold of you. Get caught up in it. I promise you, ever go to a sporting event, you, you don't sit there and just like, all soured up. No, you paid money. You know how much it costs to get in a college football game these days? I don't know. I don't go. <clears throat> but I just imagine, let's just say you got good tickets. Let's just say Tennessee and Alabama's playing. I'm a Tennessee guy. They're playing. Tickets on the sideline were $1,500 a seat. I'm going to tell you what, if I paid that kind of money, I'm going to have a good time. I mean, a real good time. I'm not going to run down there and say, Coach, let me call a play. No, you put that much time in it. You saved your hard-earned money, and you went to that sporting event. You didn't just go and sit down. I wish, what are they shouting for? What happened? What did they just do? Did they score a touchdown? Did they get a first? What you mean a first down, second down? What's all these downs about? No, you know what's going on. You know what's taking place. You're on the sidelines. Come on, team. Come on, team. And when you come to the house of God, let me tell you, if you know the cost, the price that he paid so that you can sit in that seat, you should come with some excitement. You should go, oh, hallelujah. Preach it, Brother Joe. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it. Yes, sir. You got the devil on the run. You preach it, brother. We're going to be changed. We're going to be restored. Put something in it. You'll get something out of it. There's an atmosphere, a change in the room. Restoration is taking place. God is restoring a church. He says, we have the answer to the devil's question. Oh, yes, sir. Don't you worry. God's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to have that church. Notice here, once more, don't you worry. She is going to be there. She is going to be there. There'll be people there you didn't think would be there. Oh, my. I can't wait to see who made it. I can't wait. Because, see, I'm not putting them in. And I'm not taking them out. God puts them in. And God keeps them out. Oh, but he said, don't you worry. She's going to be there. Just make sure you're part of the restoration. Make sure you're part of the change. See, the Holy Spirit will be moving so in the church. Till the church and Christ will be the same spirit. Oh, we have the answer. God has vindicated himself. God has proved himself to his promise in this day. Hallelujah. The headship is here. Christ, the risen Lord, is here in the same power of his resurrection that he ever was manifesting himself. There's the devil's answer. It ain't you fighting this battle by yourself. The headship is here. The headship in the body has become one unit. Oh, my. See, the home, the husband and wife are to be one unit. Kids come to mama. Mama, I want to do this. No. Then they run to daddy. If daddy says something different, that's not one unit. 
But when daddy says, what would your mama say? Why you always got to ask what mama said? Because we one unit. And what mama said, papa says. And what papa says, mama says. The headship is here. And what the, what the head, the bridegroom, the head is saying, so is the bride saying it. And what is he saying? Restoration is in, in the future, church. We're going to be restored for a change. And let me just tell you, the headship is here. We had the answer to the devil's question. He can't stop you. He can't stop this word. He can't stop this change. He can't stop the supernatural. He can't stop your healing. He can't stop your deliverance. He can't stop us. We're an invincible army. We're an unruly force when it comes to hell the headship and the body has become one unit it's God manifesting in his people that's the reason the husband and wife is no longer twain but they've become one notice I'm going to go just a little bit further I know I preached only an hour last time and y'all were all excited but Joe's preaching again I may keep it a little longer today I'm feeling inspired notice now He says, we stand justified in Christ before him because he cannot pass judgment. He's already judged that body in which I'm part of. Oh, my. Some of you should have shouted amen real loud right there. Man, you know you got things in your life, and you felt crummy all week. Oh, but he's already judged that body. I said he's already judged that body. He's already declared you perfect. There you are. There's the body of Christ living, standing, redeemed, justified in his sight. This is Christ's mystery God revealed. Why are we justified? We are his victory. Well, I don't feel like nobody's victory, brother Joe. You are his victory. The church is his victory. We come forth in the last days with this glorious gospel showing his victory. He died for this purpose, and we're a proof of his victory. Notice now, when we see him coming down, living among the church, that's his victory. Shows that he couldn't keep him in the grave, and he can't keep us in the grave. Why are our churches having the services we have? Because we're proof of his victory. Why is the Holy Ghost free to move in this church? Because we're proof of his victory. God is going to have a bride, and that bride is giving herself to her bridegroom, and she's not holding anything back. She's not critical of the Spirit. She's not selfish in her own makeup. No, whatever he wants, she does. She has thus saith the Lord, she keeps still. That's the word of God for this hour. And I say, little bride, let yourself go to the Lord. Let yourself be free to worship. Because what she is, he is. And what he is, she is. He says, we're bound right. We're already potentially raised because we've raised from the dead unbelief in his word from denominational creeds to the eternal word, eternal God, which is him himself working through us, manifesting himself that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Church, you are proof of his victory. Through all your ups and downs, you're proof of his victory. Through all your failures and your mistakes, you're still proof of his victory. You are here this morning showing that you are proof of his victory. You are here. See the scars that you have on your life, the family strains that's passed down when you should have quit a long time ago. You are here this morning declaring that I am proof. Family strains can't keep me down. Scars can't keep me down. Failures can't keep me down. Mistakes won't keep me down. I am proof this morning that he's alive because I'm proof of his victory. He came down and he changed me. He changed my thoughts. And one day, church, there's going to be another change take place. 
I'm proof. You're proof. We are proof that this word works. We're his victory this morning. She's bearing his name, displaying his character, manifesting his word with signs and wonders. Now, as I bring this down to a close, I'll stop with this. I didn't say I was stopping. I said I will stop with this. That means I'm going to carry on, comma. And today there is a bride tree. It started back there at the beginning, way back at the day of Pentecost. Oh, you got to go back to Pentecost again? Well, that's where it was planted. Check your spirit. If you don't like Pentecost, maybe you, you got planted in the wrong place. Maybe you're still planted in the denominational tree. Maybe you just grafted in. But I'm talking about Pentecost. We have freedom in Pentecost. Oh, my, I wish I had a time machine. I'll travel back there. I'll give Paul a good amen. Come on, amen, church. Man, you could travel back and hear Paul preach, and that's all you can do. Mercy. Oh, my. Man, first church age measure setting a church in order. That's something to shout about. But notice, he said the church never started in Nicaea. Rome it started in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. Not the denomination, but the spirit of Pentecost. The power of God. Then what did they do? They just kept organizing, keep cutting it off the branches. Then they organized the Lutheran, cut off the branches. Wesley cut off the branches. Pentecost, they cut off the branches until it come. Notice, every age, they just cut more off and cut more off and cut more off. Until you finally get down to the Laodicean age, and it's nothing left but a stump. Oh, my. Can I stop right here? Is that good enough? Or do you want me to finish? Notice what he says. Turn your Bibles, Joel 2, verse 21. He says, fear not, O land, and be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. I said the Lord will do great things. And the people that know their God, they're going to do exploits. They're, the people will do exploits. They're going to do great things. It ain't just for the Lord, but it's for the Lord's people. There's somebody in the land today, Brother Derek, that is doing marvelous things, great things, unbelievable things. The impossible has become possible. The reality of the word has been made manifest. He says, fear not, O land, and be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Let me tell you, restoration is a great thing. Oh, my. He says, be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, and the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat. Oh, my. Oh, my. Full of wheat. Oh, what a harvest season. We're not going to be empty. We're not going to be barren, but we're going to be full of wheat. We're going to be full of the supernatural power of God. Come on, even like tabernacle. You might as well get ready. Oh, the days of the famine is over. He's going to give you the former rain and the latter rain. And we're going to be the, 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 they can't contain what's about to be poured out. We're going to be full of wheat. Oh, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. Oh, what? Oh, 
the fats that overflow with stimulation of revelation of the puma out of the supernatural element of the Holy Ghost wine and oil I'll tell you what if you don't like stimulation you may want to leave we're about to have an overflow even tonight I said we're about to have an overflow there's going to be wheat there's a table spread there's a meal supply and there's a spirit and the wine oh glory to God that's going to be a supernatural. Why? Because God, oh, he's about to restore. I said he's about to restore. Verse 25. He says, and I will restore to you all the years. I'm going to restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palm worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Satan has done his best. You can be seated. Satan has done his best to keep this bride tree from coming forth. He doesn't want her to reach her potential, to recognize her full power and her authority and the jurisdiction that she has over him. He doesn't want her to step into that restored new body. But he can't stop it because God is going to do great things. Come on, church. Great things. Oh, my. It's harvest season. Sister Loretta, great things. Man, the fats are full of oil and wine. Notice, he says, now, what does the locust do? The locust eats off the leaves. That's right. The locust takes onto the leaves. He cut off the fellowship off. That's right. Took all the fellowship. What is fellowship? What do the leaves do? Make it cool. Where the birds fly under the leaves. Oh, cool off. There's your tree again. He says, there's your tree again. He shall be like a tree that's planted. Oh, wow. There's people that can come and sit down under the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and cool off a little bit. You're all frustrated and don't know what's happening, whether you die or whether you're saved or not. You don't know whether the church is right or this is right. You just come under that tree that's got some leaves on it. What are we doing at Evening Light Tabernacle? Oh, we're growing out leaves. Brother Brown, Brother Tim Key's preaching about a big oak tree. Quit fighting against it. Let's be a big oak tree where it's cool. The leaves have been restored back. Oh, my, I'm going to restore the leaves back to my bride tree. She's going to be a big oak tree again where others can come and have fellowship and relax and take in a wonderful service and be stimulated. Cool off. Not worrying about this and worrying about that. Notice, I'm going to restore to you all the years that the locust. But not only the locust, he's not going to just stop there and give you a partial restoration. But I'm going to restore to you what the canker worm, what did the canker worm do? It goes into the bark. That's the lifeline there. Yes, sir. It goes into the bark and it destroys the covering of the tree, the religion. See, the canker worm, after he's got among the congregation, got them all dignified. Mm, Some of y'all cankers need to get out of here. Oh, don't be calling us names, Brother Joe. I'm just telling you, if you identify with this, you can change. He's a, notice the canker worm he got amongst all the congregation, got them all dignified. Then he took all the fellowship away from them in the form of the locusts. And now he comes around. He takes their very religion and makes dogmas out of it and sets an unorthodox words, forms himself a religion, gets a bunch of men together and put down a creed there. He takes the very religion, strips it off the God tree, the very bark that bears the sap that comes up and takes it away. And now there's no more. Now there's no life in the church. There's no prayer lines in the church. There's no altar calls in the church. It's only in intellectual idea. What happened? They had stripped the bark off the tree. But he said, I'm going to restore 
true religion. I'm going to restore true worship to my bride tree. It'll no longer just be an intellectual understanding, but she's going to have the very life flowing through her again. See, I'll send a prophet down with an anointed word, and he will turn the heart away from man's ideas, man's creeds, man's dogmas, and turn her back to the original faith, back to the original word. Notice then he says, and the caterpillar. See, what is the caterpillar? He's a sucker. He sucks the life, the spirit, the spirit, the life. That's what he does. He gets down and he holds the pulp and he goes to sucking the caterpillar. Here he is. Who, who's going to call him a denomination? Or he says, who are we going to call him a denomination? That's that guy, right? That's his name. Why? He's a destroyer. He sucks the life out of it. But he have a promise. I'm going to restore back the life to my church. It's not going to be a dead religion. It's not going to not have any leaves on it, no bark on it. It's going to be restored back. There's going to be life once again. She's going to manifest the word. She'll not just be a tree in form only, but she's going to have mechanics and dynamics of the supernatural. Notice the last one. I'm going to restore unto you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the polymer worm. Now, the polymer worms begin to eat the fruit. Notice the fruit, the joy out of it. Look at here. You people make too much of noise. Don't let that settle for just a minute. Now look at here. You people make too much noise. I tell you all this crying and saying amen and shouting, that's nonsense. Okay, I'm going to let that settle just a few more minutes. I want you to know what your prophet thought about this. So you people make too much noise. I tell you all this crying and saying amen, all that shouting, that's nonsense. There's nothing to that. See, first thing you know, you sit in a big morgue. You sit in a big morgue, you know, sit there, all of them dead. Don't you try to deaden up even like tabernacle. Uh-uh, that ain't going to work here. This ministry team is in one heart, one accord. We're about the supernatural. Now look, I will pull the gloves off. We're going to go. We're going to have the Spirit of God. It's going to be free to move here. I look at what other churches have done. I see dead churches out there, and I see a live church out there. I don't want to be a morgue. We ain't putting dead bodies in the grave. We're, putting, we're about to have a change of the body. He says, now look, notice now. Some of these embalming fluids, so-called doctrine creeds pumped into their veins where the Spirit of God ought to be there running, where the old church creed pumped in there. No wonder they're so icy and cold and dead. Spiritual thermometer 90 below zero. Yeah, somebody say amen. They'll, everybody stretch their neck around like some goose or something. Want to know what it said? It's a shame. When the Spirit of God ought to be joy, peace, love, but this little old bug started eating on it. I don't like the way they run around church. I can't believe Brother Joe just took off. Did you see him? I can't believe that. He should have a little church order. All right, bug. All right, bug. Oh, come on. It ought to be joy when you come to the house of God. This should be joy. It should be peace. It should be love. 
He says, I'm going to restore love to the church. I'm going to restore joy to the church. I'm going to restore a love of worship to the church. Not just when the songs are being sung, but the entire time, church. Let me just tell you, there's going to be people that are going to enjoy coming to the house of God, knowing they're going to be fed of the the supernatural. The, the, The fats are full of oil and wine. They don't know what's going to happen, but they know when they're coming through those doors, there's a restored bride tree there. Satan's trying to keep her down. Satan's trying to keep it. All the bugs eat this one, and the bugs eat that one. Up from the stump, there's coming life in Laodicea, the bride tree. He says, I will restore back to the original. That's what's happening in Laodicea church. There's a bride tree that's coming forth today, and you are part of that bride, and you are that supernatural tree, and Satan can't stop this restoration. Notice what he says as we bring this down to a close. He says, restoring the true church of God. He says, it's the same bug in different forms of its life. And it eat all the way. And they have eaten and they made all these man-made things. But God will never restore by them. He's going to grow it right up out of the stump. I will restore, saith the Lord. It won't come out of any creed. It won't, but it will come out of God. I will restore. These polymer worms, the canker worms and so forth that eat the God's heritage has eat down the stump, but I will not come through these, neither will I use them. He will come right from the stump, right up with it. I will restore. He's going to restore the faith in the people. Now, musicians, if you would come. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. When the fig tree puts forth its buzz, there she is, the nation with their own money, everything else, currency, own army, everything, first time for 2,500 years, Jesus said, when you see putting forth them buds forth, we're at the end time. We see the coldness of the church. We see the denominational growing. When you see the fig tree and all these other trees budding forth their buds, Jews returning, the fig tree, Jews returning to their nation, their own country. He says, get ready. That's the time. When we see that the coming to pass, that's when God is fixing to call the elect. In church, we have seen Israel back in her homeland. Since 1948, she's had her own money, flying her own flag, has her own military, one of the greatest militaries in the world today, and leads nations in technological advances. And if that's that tree, the fig tree, what about the bride tree? The natural type and the spiritual. The church of God, notice what he says, beginning and ending of the Gentile dispensation. The church of God is putting forth buds. The church of God. She's blooming out into her power again. The polymerm eat part of it. The cankerworm eat part of it. The hookworm eat part of it. The caterpillar eat part of it. But God said it will live again. She is putting forth buds now. That's what's happening. The restoration of our change. God sent the Holy Ghost, the life of God, to be in you, not in a statue, but you are the God that God wants to live in. He will restore back, church. Just play something, Sister Lorianne, if you would. He says, we know that we can only build a church first upon the material that God gave us to build it with. That's all we have. He goes, I know this is strong. It's on tape. Hundreds of people around the world will hear. But before we can ever have a building of the church of God, we will have to restore back all the things that these insects are eating out of. We'll have to go back and find out what the insects eat. And before the vine of the Lord, the grapevine, he's the vine, we are the branches. 
And before he can ever find out or the church can stand in the formal, in its formal and original power, we'll have to go back and find out what these insects ate. And that church will have to be restored back to that or it will never stand in the power and glory of its first standing. If the bark is tore off the tree, we got to get back to the bark again on it. Grow back the bark first. You can't have apples till you grow the bark. For the bark is the sap line. The sap is in the life of the line. The scripture is the holy. He said God's holy Bible is the lifeline of the church. How could we ever bring in a grape sap through a sycamore bark? You just won't work. We got to have grapevine bark. We've got to have the original bark. There's only one way that that bark can ever come back on the vine. That's when God grows it himself. We can't make some put on. Won't work. He said it won't work. No man's scheme will ever work. It'll take God's way or it'll never live. Man-made schemes will not work. He might wrap a rag around the tree and say, let it grow. The rag wasn't God's program. It's got a bark on a lifeline. When it comes from the roots, it'll produce the same life that was in the tree. He says, I will restore. No wonder one will say, oh, this and oh, that and disagree. No wonder there's isms among us. See, the lifeline has been cut off, but he says, I'm going to restore I'm going to restore, saith the Lord, I'll restore what the canker worm left. I'm going to restore healing. I'm going to restore the Holy Spirit. I'm going to restore the joy. I'll restore everything that the first church had. I will restore again in the last days, and we're living in the last days. Let's stand and worship the Lord. God has promised to restore his church. Restoration of our change. We're in the process of being restored. When you come to church, every service is another portion, another piece that's being restored. See, he has to restore his church to what she was at the beginning before he can take his church into a new body. We have seen the supernatural. We have seen healings take place, cancer defeated. We've been hearing about miracles not only at our church but at other churches. Our services seem to hit a different atmosphere, climax, no matter who's preaching or what day of the week it is. Why? Because God has promised, I will restore. The bride is being restored for her change. God is going to have a church. Brother Bram says, I don't care how many dark ages we go through or whatever more, he's going to have a church without a spot or wrinkle. Say, hey, church. I'm that church. I'm that church. You're that church. Brother James, if you would come forward this morning, we have a word of prayer with you. I have the deacons come down right now. Restoration of our change. Brother James is about to have surgery on Tuesday and he's got a lot of anxiety and a lot of fears, a lot of worries right now. The same God that just visited us in our services, the same God that's going to be with Brother James on Tuesday. It's going to be the same God that guides that physician's hands and leads him through this procedure. I will restore. I'm going to take away the anxiety. I'm going to take away the fears. I'm going to take away all these things, Brother James. And I'm going to give you a heart that's comfort, a heart of peace, a heart that knows that you're God and you're God's son. And you're entitled to the promise. The same God that brought your wife through cancer, the same God's going to bring you through this procedure.
church, if you need prayer this morning, the angel of the Lord is present. He's here. Hallelujah. He's here. Amen. He's a supernatural God. We have a promise in His Word that He will restore. Whatever your need is this morning, He's here to meet that need. He's here to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask Him things this morning. 